0: That's ljsinnercircle.com, or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 87. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Alright, what's up everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and a podcast all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. I'm really excited you're here and welcome to another episode of the LJS podcast. And welcome if you are a first-time listener to the show or if you're a returning listener, someone who listens regularly. I want to especially thank you for hanging out with me. And in return, I have a very value-packed episode for you today. I have on the show a very special guest. He is professional jazz trumpet player, Chris Davis, all the way from Chicago and man, t- today's episode was a real treat for me just to be able to talk to him and learn from him, and so I know it's going to be uh, a real treat for you as well, and on today's show, Chris uh, just goes over his story of how he became a professional jazz musician, really starting from the very beginning, his evolution as a student, um, starting from even how he uh, first became acquainted to his instrument, uh, to how he decided he wanted to play jazz, uh, from the You know, his after college training and and playing with jazz legends and all kinds of crazy stuff, and the lessons that he's learned in between. And specifically, I really enjoyed hearing him talk about what he was practicing during the more uh, formidable years of his musicianship that really helped him become the solid jazz musician he is today. And I know just by listening to Chris's story today, you're going to get some ideas for your own playing. And that's what this show is all about, right? This show is all about helping you become a better jazz musician. And I think sometimes the best way we can do that is simply by hearing the stories of those who are successful at what they're doing. Whether or not you want to play music professionally or not, that doesn't matter. I know a lot of people listening to this show are hobbyists, but this show, this this episode, this hearing Chris's story can teach you so much about how to improve your musicianship and the things you actually should be working on. So very excited for this interview. Now, Chris Davis, he also has a podcast and it's called the Behind the Note Podcast. The Behind the Note Podcast, it's a show for musicians, a show aimed to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. And, and, and it's his hope that that musicians come there to get advice for a successful music career. So I highly suggest you check out uh, that show. Again, even if you're not aspiring to be a professional musician, so much to learn there at Behind The Note Podcast. It's BehindTheNote.com. And there's one other amazing thing that Chris is doing right now that I wanna share with you, and this is specifically for trumpet players. So if you're a trumpet player, pay special attention. He has a website called TrumpetLessonsHQ.com, which he is using to inspire, and educate trumpet players. So go ahead over there to TrumpetLessonsHQ.com. He does talk a little bit more about these at the end of the show. All right, now without further ado, let's jump into our talk with Chris Davis. All right, joining me from Chicago on the show today is jazz trumpeter Chris Davis. He's also the host of the Behind the Note podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. So some of my audience
0: might not know who you are. So I think it'd be great if we just start out our talk together. Just give me the, I guess, the two-minute Chris Davis bio. Tell me what you do, what you're all about.
1: Yeah. So what I do is I perform music for a living and I also teach music for a living. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. I'm very thankful and blessed that I'm able to do those two things. It's all about music and it's what I love to do. I get to touch a lot of people that way.
0: That's awesome. And are you teaching uh, just students around the Chicago area? Are You teaching Skype lessons? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, so I'm physically going to schools, and I and I help students at the school that they're at. So I'm really I'm really linked with District 205, which is actually the school district that I grew up in. Um, I'm hired. They hired me now, so I work there as a brass instructor. Oh, congrats! And I, thank you very much. And I also get to do guest artist type of performances in in clinics and things like that. So that's what teaching looks like for me right now.
0: Wonderful. And then on the performance side of things, how's that looking for you? Are you just playing locally
1: around Chicago? or That's exactly right. By design as well. Yeah. Um, Because I have a family. And even before, let me tell you this, when I was 17 years old, I made the decision that I wanted to work locally primarily and not really travel and i did travel in my early 20s and thankful for that and i might have some more traveling in my future but i am primarily a local musician and so i work with a lot of different groups chicago jazz philharmonic larry king orchestra i lead my own band chris davis jazz Tet, and then i'm also a side man in various groups around town
0: awesome that's so great um that looks sounds a lot like me um so Tell me how you got started out with music in general. Like, where did it all begin for you? I I think my audience, I kind of just want to talk to you today about your story. I want to know, you know, a lot of my audience, they want to know how to improve as musicians. And they want to know how to get from point A to point B. So, I think it'd be great just to hear your story today. And so, where where did you get started with just your exposure
1: to music? Uh, The exposure came from being at home with my father. He would blast his music Ah. Throughout the entire house, he had these, these speakers that were probably four feet tall or so, approximately, and uh, it was loud music in the house, man, Motown, and, uh, you know, th- things that he grew up on as as a child, and uh, there was also a lot of gospel music in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father and my grandfather are, are preachers of the gospel, so I would be in church all the time, mm-hmm. and... I just love the sound of the gospel choir, and I also like the radio. Believe it or not, I would just lay down on my stomach as a kid in front of the radio (laughs) and look at it as if it were the television. And um, That's awesome. Yeah, I I would just really get into the different sounds that I was hearing. I didn't really understand everything I was hearing, but I was fascinated by that sound, and— One memory that stands out to me, I was in the car and I asked my mom, what is that sound that I hear? And she told me, oh, that's a saxophone. And so I wanted to play saxophone because I liked the sound. And eventually one day, uh, the band directors of the school district came to my school. I was in fourth grade. And uh, they had all the instruments, well, a lot of the instruments laid out on the table And they said, what do you want to play? Take your pick. And so I was looking for the saxophone and it wasn't there. I said, I want to play saxophone. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, do you own a saxophone? No, I don't. Okay, well, uh, we have a flute here and we have a clarinet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you can start on one of these two instruments and people normally switch over. And um, I was a kid, man. So I, I thought those clarinet and flute, I thought that was for girls. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> okay. And so which, and, one, which mm-hmm. one did you pick? <laughs> Neither. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what happened was, uh, the band director, I said, I said, no, I don't want to do either one of those things. So he, he needed brass players. And so he had a, a trombone mouthpiece and a trumpet mouthpiece. And he said, test these out. And I, I buzzed into them and he told me, Hey, you sound good on both of them. Uh, you can. Pretty much take your pick. And so then he proceeded to try to sell me on playing trombone. He was like, yeah, you'll be in the front of the marching band. And because of that, you'll probably be in the newspaper. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> so he was really trying to sell me. So for that reason, I picked trumpet. <laughs> nice. Yeah,
0: you don't like being sold to, even at an early age. That makes yeah. a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And so that's how I ended up playing trumpet. But before they came, I, I forgot to tell you this. This is important. Um, there was a... a, a a tour that the middle school would do they will visit all the grade schools and so I wanted to be in the band because they have been coming to our school once or twice a year since uh, kindergarten so I finally had the chance to join in fourth grade and so I did
0: going back to picking your instrument I think it's so funny if I, I don't know it when you think about picking an in like why did you pick the instrument that you primarily play it whenever you look back at it just always seems weird it's like you know either it was random sort of like how you're describing it or i'm thinking about why did i even want to learn how to play the guitar? like why was the guitar the instrument i wanted to pick it really comes down to, I thought distortion sounded cool. And that's so lame, right? But um, at the same time, it's it's interesting. You don't, When you're a kid, you don't really think about it in a practical way. Like, you know, does the trumpet, is the trumpet me or not? Or, you know, what reasons do I like the trumpet? It's, it's usually just some weird reason that just, and then it ends up, ch- like, I mean, possibly changing your life, right?
1: That's true. That's exactly what happened.
0: So at what point in your... At what point did you start getting serious about music? Like, actually, you know, you got that trumpet. Is that where it started happening in just school band? You started practicing it a lot? Like, was there some moment where you're just like, oh, man, I'm really into being, maybe not even a musician. Like, you wanted to do that professionally when you grew up, but when you got serious about actually
1: practicing it? Well, there were were a couple of different points in my life. I feel like that happened in, in levels. And sometimes you don't really understand that there's another level until you get to a certain point. Um, so the first time for me, I was in high school, 15 years old, and before that, it was all fun. I had, I had people. I Man, I, I gotta tell you, I came, I came through a very rich music program. So mm-hmm. before, before I even joined band, the the band was competing and winning all of the competitions since probably like the sixties, like no, literally. So, um, it was, everybody was enthusiastic about the music. So, um, when I started in high, when I started in grade school, I had the middle school students to look up to and I was competing with them. They looked down on us. They said, Hey, you can't do what we do. I mean, that's not really healthy, but that's what was going on. Right. And so that motivated me to practice just to, Show them, hey, I could do what you do. And uh, that kind of continued all the way into high school. And um, I got bored, man. I got bored. One day I was sitting in in band rehearsal, and I just totally spaced out. That was not like me. I'm a very focused person. And I was sitting there one day, and I decided right there in band rehearsal, I'm going to quit. I'm not playing music anymore ever again. And, and I, knew, I knew that I wasn't the best trumpet player in the world. Actually, I was far from it, but in my little band program, I was, I was, and I wasn't being challenged. So I said, I'm going to quit. And I was going through it in my head. Well, when, when am I going to quit? We got this performance coming up, and then that one, and then <laughs> we got this competition. Man, I, I can't quit. I don't have no time to quit. <laughs> so um, I was really thinking about this. I said, oh, there's a gap on this particular day. Okay, I'm going to quit. On this day. So I had it all planned out. And the ironic thing is, the day before I was going to quit, <laughs> I walked into a sound check with um, uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra with oh, Winter wow. Marcellus. Yeah. Sound check. Not the actual concert. Sound check. And so I, I walked in. They were at Orchestra Hall. I walked in from the back of the hall. And the moment I walked in, man, the sound just cut to my heart. And at that moment, I knew this is what I am supposed to do with my life. I'm supposed to perform music, create music. Wow. That's when I got serious, right there in that moment. That's and, incredible. Um, so yeah.
0: it was like a one-moment sort of a thing. Like, you know, at one one second, you're about to quit just throwing the towel altogether. And then the next moment, you're seeing Winton Marsalis play at just a sound check. And now all of a sudden, you're like 100% in.
1: That's correct. Yeah, so like I told you I was getting bored you know in school and when I walked into that concert hall there was clearly another level of musicianship that I yet had attained and I wanted to work toward that and so yeah when I heard that sound decision was made right then
0: now, were you interested in jazz before this, or was this uh, a moment of becoming interested in jazz as well? I know you grew up in the gospel scene, so I'm, I'm sure those things just tie together
1: like quite well. Yeah, well, I grew up in church, um, but I'm, I I didn't get to play in church. I was going to um, ask I, you
0: that too. If you yeah, I, I, I you wish got your I chops.
1: did. I still regret that. I, st- I have to let that go. <laughs> yeah, but um, because all the great musicians that I know that played in church, they they are incredible. Um, but that's 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 history. But no, I didn't. I played solos on occasion, but I didn't play with the choir every every week until much much later. Okay. So um, I I I I love jazz almost from the beginning because the program that I came through was rooting in jazz. We had a great concert band, but. we were were really rooted in jazz. So since the beginning, I liked jazz.
0: That's great. So you basically heard Witten Marshall's play. You got really serious. What did life look like after that? Like, as soon as that happened, you said, whoa, there's this level of music that I didn't know existed, and I want to do this. Like, I want to sound like that. Like, what happened? Like, what changed? What was the next steps for you?
1: Well, I just you know, I went, I finished high school. I had a, probably another couple years of high school. And then I went to college, Northern Illinois university. And that was the best choice for me. Um, because we performed so much. We had easily a hundred to 200 songs in our book. Um, we didn't perform all of it, but we certainly read all of it. And, um, that was a great thing for me. Let me tell you, my first my first tour was with Benny Golson. <laughs> you toured with Benny Golson? The first tour in college for me was with Benny Golson. Whoa. And, and I had a very special year um, because he was the first. And then that was in November. And then in December, if I can remember all this correctly. Well, I, okay, let me not try to go in order. But i just tell you, that school year, I toured with uh, Benny Golson, Curtis Fuller, Jimmy Heath, Wynton Marsalis. Uh, I forget who we ended with, but it was an all-star year. And that was that was just my first my first year. So I had a, an entire college experience of working with musicians of that caliber. Not to mention they would come to the school and give workshops. Wow. You know, all all all, all the time. So I was the worst trumpet player in the jazz in the jazz studio um so i, I had a lot to work toward and I, I was really thankful for that yeah so that's that's what happened next and so after school that's a whole nother story we can get into that if you like but that that's what happened after that i cool. developed my skills in college
0: well, so okay, let me understand. So you were touring with your college combo. Like, what? Ex- how exactly was this happening? And and how Good was? Question. And how how are you? How is all these insanely uh, legendary musicians coming through and touring with you guys? Like, explain that a little bit.
1: My teacher is a legend in education. His his name is Ron Carter, not the bassist ah. Ron Carter. Oh, okay. I wonder- want to make that clear. (laughs) Um, People would come to a clinic for Ron Carter and say, hey, this ain't Ron Carter, but it's a different Ron Carter. But he is probably the best educator in jazz music. And he's very well-respected. And he had the respect and love of all of these musicians. And so for him, it would just be a phone call. He would say, can you come? And they would say, yeah, of course, anything for you. And uh, as a result, all of us students there had had the experience of working with these guys. So um, not in a jazz combo setting, but uh, the jazz big band setting. Oh, is, that's is, that, that was my experience.
0: That's amazing. And what were some of the big lessons that you learned uh, through just being able to be on stage with these guys? Like what were some of the things that you were able to take away?
1: Oh my! Listen to this.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know that's so that's that's a question no, that's you know you no, could this is, <laughs> write this is a book great. about
1: so so many so many things. Listen, when I first heard Benny Benny Golson and Curtis Fuller specifically, my mouth dropped because I I literally said this out loud. They sound just like they do on the recording. <laughs> that's right. amazing because. You know, when you record, you can alter some stuff. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, but no, these guys, man, they sound like the recording. Um, So that's one thing, that the sound was pure and real. Um, Some other things that I took away, with all of them, there was a a seriousness that came along with with the job. Um, They were all serious about music. It, it 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 was an attitude of okay it's time to work let's get to work right yep so it's it's there wasn't any skating you know it's very business like um and as a result we were able to have fun so it 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 wasn't like oh you know this is music let's have fun and we're not going to really care about the the details it was it was actually the opposite and as a result we really sounded great um so that's that's one common thread that really stands out right away. Um, also, most of the guys, I mean, there was only a, a, a small handful. Most of the guys were people. They were, never, they were nice to people. They were just nice to be with. Uh, we had meals with these guys every day mm-hmm. on tour. They sat with us. They didn't go off to a different room. They sat with us. They, they, they traveled on the bus with us. Wow, Very, very approachable people. And um, that's another common common thing I noticed. So if you really consider this, most people that you look up to, of course, not everybody, but most people are in the position that they are in because they are giving people. Okay.
0: So let's let's move from that a little bit. And you can keep talking about your experience in college, if you like, if this pertains to that. But what are some of the things that you were focusing on in the practice room when, when you were uh, in this kind of situation, this sort of time, like what were some of the things that you were really spending a lot of your time doing as a jazz musician?
1: Now you got to remember, you know, I'll tell you what my strength is, um, just the trumpet in general. (laughs) So not, not really jazz at this time. Uh, so my teacher told me, Ron Carter told me, you need to learn how to play the piano. And I said, to myself, not to him. I wouldn't dare. (laughs) But, you know, I I said, I'm not a piano player. I'm a trumpet player. Why do I need to learn piano? And he just gave me a look. You go practice piano and don't come back here until you've done that. You know, it wasn't don't come back here until you've mastered it. Just don't come back until you have played, practiced the piano. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down at the piano, man, in the first man, the first few times <laughs> it was really rough <laughs> it was right really really rough man i uh i don't remember what song but i was trying to learn some some jazz standard i can't remember what it was now but man just getting around two five ones man even black chords mm-hmm. so clunky clunky and physically hard to do um but i worked through that and as a result my playing also actually was very clunky before, which is probably why my teacher told me what he did play a piano. And I worked out the piano, man, and I was able to navigate through this song. And it was smooth. You know, I wouldn't perform it, but it was so much better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, as a result, now I'm a lot more familiar with this song. And the next thing that I did. Was I added my voice? I started to sing. I started to sing, so I would play the piano, comping myself, and then I was sing the melodies as if I were improvising. Mm-hmm. The next thing I did after that, uh, I tried to play it on trumpet. I tried to play what I sang. That was another painful process. <laughs> right. But and then and then you got to also remember. Um, playing piano and trumpet those are two different keys, right? So the piano's concert c concert instrument. I play a b flat trumpet mm-hmm. so sometimes I had to think extra hard, you know if I'm playing a C on piano, well that's really a d on the trumpet, so much thinking it was so frustrating, but I got through all of that um so I would sing, play it on the trumpet, and then eventually it all got smooth, it all got smooth, you know.
0: So tell, tell me a little bit about... This is a really great process. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving what you're saying here. Tell me a little bit about this. Like, what what exactly... So basically what I'm hearing from you is you, you learned... It sounds like with the harmony on the piano of whatever particular tune you were learning. And then after that, you were singing the melody before you even touched your horn. And then after you had that part down, you were picking up your horn and playing the melody of the song. Now, what... What uh, what in this process do you think? What are the the benefits of it?
1: Now, you're correct. Uh, the melody wasn't so hard to get, but I was singing um, improvised solos. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the benefit of doing that is ear training, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't I didn't understand the benefits until I looked back and said, "Man, I sound better. Why do I sound better?" <laughs> so yeah. so um, ear training. I was learning the relationship the distance relationship uh from chord to chord um actually my my intonation improved from the singing from trying to match the trumpet to my voice and vice versa Mm -hmm. um so it's a lot of ear training that was happening without me even really thinking about it too hard um
0: right yeah 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 absolutely i i I just wanted to add to that, like this, this act of singing is, is just, it's just such an incredible, powerful tool. You know, a lot of people want to go straight to scales. They want to go straight to, um, you know, tools to help them get through chord changes. But, uh, when you're, when you're able to sing actual jazz language first, that means what that does is it proves that you actually have this stuff internalized in your head. Like you're actually hearing these ideas. These aren't coming from your instrument. They're coming from you. And all that's left to do in the process that you're describing is just connect those dots, connect that, that ear to instrument relationship. Would you say that's what's that's going exactly on here? That's exactly right. Guys? That's correct.
1: Awesome. What else were you working on? So that piano thing—that was one one part of it. Now the a different thing that happened was transcribing. That's that was another part of it. So again, same teacher, uh, different different time though. Uh, we were talking about transcribing in class, and he told us pick a solo and listen to it, and then sing it. There's that vocal again. The internal the internalization. Did I say that right? <laughs>
0: You, yeah, you said that you, right. You, yeah.
1: have, you have to internalize the music if you're going to be authentic and true to it. There is no way around it. So singing is imperative. So uh, we picked a solo and we had to sing it. Only after you could sing it could you touch the, in my case, the trumpet and try to figure it out. Now I found that the singing was very challenging again. Um, first of all, I would forget I would forget what was coming next in the solo. Right. So I didn't know it. I had to listen to it. I had to get repetition. <laughs> I can't, man, I, easily a hundred times I listened to, Listen, this this particular solo, it took me about a week, man, just to sing it. Do you remember what solo it was? Uh it was a Clifford Brown solo. Uh I don't remember oh, I don't man. remember which one I chose. because uh, I've studied a few of them, a few of them over time. Um but it's a I have a feeling it was hard though. <laughs> But you know what it was? Melodic. And the melody is what helped me to remember. Um, So eventually, after a week of listening, I was able to sing it like another week after that. And then, believe it or not, when I picked up the trumpet, that was the fastest process. That was the fastest step because, again, it was internalized. So initially there was a part where I had to find out where is this note. And now keep in mind, I know the trumpet very well, but I still have to find it. Where is this note? Okay, where's the next note? Okay, where's the next note? But after that, for like two minutes, man, the solo just flew out. I had to. I didn't have to continue to find notes because it was internalized. It was as if right. I had practiced it on trumpet for two weeks, but I had just picked it up.
0: Now, I want everybody listening right now in the audience to just consider everything that Chris is saying. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of, you know, jazz is a lot. I get to hear this all the time how jazz is not very easy. It's, it, you're right. It's not the easiest forms of music. And, you know, in a lot of ways, jazz musicians are a little bit obsessive. I mean, you're talking about, Chris. I mean, you've, first of all, you've listened to this solo hundreds of times, right? Then you practice Literally. singing with it probably another hundred times. And then the easiest part is actually translating onto your instrument. But, you know, that, that, I'm sure that, takes many repetitions to actually be able to play that right and play it along with the recording. But as a result of this, you are building up this, like the the results are huge. The rewards are huge from actually going through this process. So I don't want anybody to be intimidated listening today. Um, I, I want you to understand there's a reason why you're doing this. There's a reason why, you know, you get, by putting in this work, this time to do this stuff, the right way, it can, oh man, it can just do Incredible things, wouldn't you say that, Chris?
1: Yeah, that's true, exactly right.
0: Uh, okay, so let's move on a little bit to after the after college thing. Um, what happened after that? Like, did you start performing as a musician? Did you start teaching right away? Like, what did that look like? You know, let's just say you graduate, and then what happened? There
1: are two key points in my development after college. Uh, one, one was this I went to uh, Carnival Cruise Lines. Okay. and i performed every day so so i graduated in december in january i was on a cruise ship and i i went with the purpose though i went knowing i wanted to develop my trumpet playing so what happened was uh everything i learned in school came out i tell you man when i was in school i was i was not that good <laughs> Oh, man, it was it was rough. But the release of of college not being there, I was able to just relax, I guess. And all the lessons I learned came out. So uh, one pivotal point for me was working on that cruise ship because I had a schedule. Every morning I would wake up by six o'clock at the latest in the morning, wake up at six a.m. at the latest and I would exercise and um, I would pray. And then I will, not in that order. I'll actually pray first, exercise, and the third thing I would do was practice trumpet. And I would spend sixty minutes on the trumpet, and then I would go, you know, have breakfast and come back and have my second practice session um, around nine or ten o'clock in the morning for a couple of hours. So by noon, I would have three hours every day. <clears throat> and that, this was everyday thing. And at night, my job was to play trumpet i wasn't i was a show band musician um but when my job was over i would be done with work at 10 o'clock every night so when my job was over i would go to the lobby with the jazz trio and play jazz with them until midnight one o'clock in the morning and i did this every day for like six months and so that was that was huge in my development. I got a chance to make mistakes and keep trumpet on my face. Um, And that's the that's the reason I went to the ship. So uh, that was that was key for me. And the second pivotal moment was uh, shortly after when I came home. Oh, I forgot to tell you, the reason I stopped the ship was because I got a phone call to teach. Uh, That was kind of unique because I did not apply for this job. And I ended up accepting the job. So teaching is a whole different thing. And because teaching was new to me, I didn't have the trumpet on my face as much. And I was getting, I was losing my skill. Uh, Physically, my muscles weren't trumpet ready. So I rededicated myself to practicing. I heard a myth. I don't know if it's a myth or or if it's truth. I heard a myth that Winston Marcellus didn't miss a day of practice for like five years. So <laughs> wow. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I I wanted to get close to that and I didn't. But I <laughs> I practiced I practiced yeah. every day for like three months. <laughs> and what was weird is that that did a lot, a lot, and it got me through that year. And uh, I ended up so from mm-hmm, you. Go ahead.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Chris. I, I'm hearing a lot of uh, consistency in your schedule. Certainly, both through
1: your through your
0: first breakthrough moment and now your second Certainly. breakthrough moment. Um it's just a lot of consistency and like, man, you we were playing a lot, like you were doing a lot of stuff and you also had a really organized structure system going on, which that can't hurt. Right. Um, that, yeah, anyways, that's something that just stuck out to me. Just the consistency, that's right. um, you know, and a lot of, that's a great lesson for everybody listening today. Is whatever you're going to do, just be consistent about it. Okay. Sorry. Go yeah, on. Yeah, that's,
1: that's right. Cause there's no way around it, especially I, for a brass player, um, taking a two days off the horn, it's death it's death to your to what you worked up to that point um but that's another story so it's it is very important to keep the horn in your face so I really got lucky uh somebody heard of me and i I joined a band where we performed every Saturday night uh, at a local buffet and this happened every Saturday night for one year and it ended up that I was the only horn player. It didn't start that way, but it ended up that way. And that was another key point of my development. The reason is, <laughs> man, we we were like in a neighborhood where basically you have to really be playing or the people would just look at you like, what are you doing here? <laughs> okay. So, you know, while I might have been okay technically, my solos weren't really connecting to the people. And I mean, what are we playing for if we're not connecting to the people? So right. over that year, I learned how to do that, you know, through tr- trial and error. Um. Yeah. So one thing is this: you 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 just gotta play from the heart. Nobody really cares about all the fancy stuff you can do. It does not matter. It doesn't matter at all. Um, but I I only learned that lesson from being able to play every week with, with this band. So.
0: Yeah. I I can also attest to that too. Having something consistent to go play. I think I've, I think for the last, I've had a bunch of steady gigs over the years, but you know, particularly I have a, a Saturday gig. I play every single Saturday. I've been doing it for about five years now. I mean, just even having that one place, I mean, just even one place to always come back to and, and, and use your practice sessions on is really great. Um, that Thanks for sharing all that, Chris. I appreciate it. And, and just hearing about, you know, just how you developed it over, over that time. I mean, just a lot of, I, honestly, just listening to you talk, there's just so many great, valuable lessons packed in here um, and, and how you just developed. I want to switch gears a little bit, close off a little bit by by talking about your podcast, the Behind the Note podcast. I wonder if you could just tell
1: us all what this is and, um, you know, why you started it. Sure. Behind the po- behind the No podcast is advice for a successful music career. And we get to that advice by interviewing musicians, both famous and local. And we talk to them about how they have been successful in their career. So uh, some good examples. I've had um, John Clayton on the show, who is known as a composer and, awesome. and bass player. He wrote, I always tell people who don't know him, he wrote, he arranged the Star Spangled Banner for Whitney Houston for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. People who don't know her. uh, Yeah.
0: That's funny. I had no idea. People who don't (laughs) know his work,
1: they say, oh, yeah, I heard Whitney Houston sing that. Because that's the most unique version of the Star Spangled Banner. Okay. Um, Okay. And then we've had, like I recently had Winter Marcellus on the show, um, Terrell Stafford. But some people that you might not know, Shannon Curtis. Makes a great living from playing house concerts. I've had um, uh, Jeff Schneider on. He's really good with Skype lessons. And uh, mm-hmm. other people, I've had a compo- I, I try to cover the whole spectrum of music, what it means to earn a living as a musician, because there's not just one way. And uh, the starving artist saying does not have to be true for you. And uh, so I made that for people who care to get better. And earn a living in music.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. It's a great show, by the way. Everybody should go check that out. What's uh what's the link that they can go check that out, Chris?
1: It's behindthenote.com. Also wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where we are as well.
0: I highly suggest everybody check that it's a great show. I personally listen to it. Um even if your aspirations are not to be a professional musician, it's just a value-packed uh show. Everybody should go check it out. So behind the note, Dot com. Is there uh, anything else that we can uh, share with the audience today, Chris, to, to lead them towards for you?
1: Yes, uh, certainly. Brent, I have something new that I'm working on. Okay. And people have come to me in the past. You, you know, you're know, you a musician, so countless times I'm sure this has happened to you as it has happened to me. You play a show and somebody approaches you and they say, oh, you sounded so good. I used to play guitar.
0: yeah that's definitely happened to me before
1: (laughs) yeah so I I get that so much I used to play trumpet and then they reminisce and say say things like I wish I still kept it going Um, I helped this man who was 50 something years old he said hey I want to play trumpet again I said okay bring your horn let me hear you play so I, I, I went on and I helped him to get back what he had and more so long story short I have something. I'm building a community right now. And um, it's called TrumpetLessonsHQ.com. And if you go there right now, it's an opportunity to join the email list. If you do that, there's a checklist you get of books and tools that you'll need on your journey. And also there's some lessons that will come to your inbox to help you regain what you had. So what I'm discovering is a lot of people around mid 30s or so or a little older but primarily mid 30s they want to play trumpet again. So go to trumpetlessonshq.com, join the email list and uh we'll we'll get you started on on your way.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Everybody who's who plays the trumpet, who's listening to this right now, Trumpetlessonshq.com. All right, Chris, well, thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And just, man, just hearing your story has been super inspiring. And um, I I know that everybody in the audience got a lot out of it today. So thanks uh, for doing what you do. And I hope to have you on the show again
1: sometime soon. It's my pleasure, Brent. Thanks for having me today.
0: Alright, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can go to BehindTheNote.com or TrumpetLessonsHQ.com to check out some of this awesome stuff that Chris Davis is doing. And I want to thank again our guest, Chris, for uh, just giving a lot of value to me and, of course, to you listening today. It's much appreciated. And as I always say at the end of this show, if you got some value out of this episode, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service and leave a rating and review. That just helps other people find the show. Greatly appreciate the help. Now, next week, we are going to be having another episode, another awesome show Episode 88. I look forward to seeing you back right then. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter.